0: beginning at verse 22 from the Scripture that I read earlier. And I do encourage you to to read this entire chapter. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that we've ministered on several times, and you've heard this preached over the years. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one of one for themselves. And let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God. And I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. Let him be God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Now, if you read the
1: context, the rest of it, you know the God who answered by fire. The only true and only living God answered by fire. I want to talk about, actually, there are two thoughts in my mind. The thought that's been on my mind uh, for the last few days is faith and fire. Faith and fire. But the topic is conditions
0: conducive for the fire of God. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us. Thank you, Lord God, for what your word will accomplish in our lives. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. We look to you. We anticipate you. Release your fire afresh on us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 This is uh, conditions conducive for the fire message that I've shared in, in part some time ago, but the Lord just gave me some, some different twists on this today as we think about faith and fire. Faith and fire. The fire of God is necessary in the life of every believer uh, uh, and in the life of the church. Of course, when we talk about believers, we're talking about the church because there is work
1: in us uh, that only His fire can accomplish. With all of the teaching, with all of the regulations and rules, and all of the encouraging, and all, any rebuking that has to take place in a person's life, if the fire of God is not present and working in us, nothing
0: will change. Nothing will change. This is the reason that Jesus told his disciples before his ascension into heaven to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. All, after all of the teaching he had done, after all, after having given them, Uh, living
1: examples of what faith is about, living examples of the work of ministry, they still needed something else to make uh, them fit for the task at hand. They needed something else to take place in them that would significantly alter their way of thinking and consequently their way of doing things. They needed this. They, They needed something else to happen that would change their mental and their spiritual makeup and thereby put them in a place where God could use them to, as Acts says, turn the world upside down and give them, as we have been talking about this particular year, give them what they needed to complete the
0: task for their generation that had been given to them. They needed something else. They got the teaching, all right? They got the living example, but there
1: was something that they needed inside of them, someone that they needed inside of them. So Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and do what? Wait for whom? The promise of my Father. Amen, amen, amen. So we're talking about the fire of God today, and when we talk about fire, in this context, we're speaking of Holy Spirit. Amen? One of the ways he's
0: represented in Scripture is by fire. Amen. Hallelujah. But why fire? Well, of course, we know what fire does. Fire changes things. If you, amen, fire, will, fire changes a, a, a solid object, wood, like wood into ashes, or it changes, it can change iron into, into um, a liquid metal. Amen. Fire is an agent of change. When you look at
1: volcanoes, volcanoes will, w- w- uh, it's is melted rock. Amen, that, that comes up out of the volcano. The lava uh, comes up out of the volcano, and that lava is able to destroy cities. Amen, it makes places for a long time uninhabitable. Now, fire gives light, so fire dispels darkness. Amen, fire can give heat in the midst of coldness. Yeah, so fire is very, very powerful. It's very powerful, and fire is an agent of change. And again, as I said, amen. For us to really be who God wants us to be, we have to change. Now, we're resistant to change, amen, amen. We can, we can get saved, but we can, (laughs) but there's a point that we got. We don't want to change. You know we we, we kind of like keeping the status quo in our lives we we like that comfortable place we like that that comfortable zone and and we want to remain in that comfortable zone you know even even you know when um you know we when you look at uh, younger people today who tend to judge older people um and you know say that older people don't like to change but You know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. I think sometimes we miss that point. Uh, We tend to become like our parents. Amen. You look at yourself and then you look at how you act so much like your parents sometimes. After all of the judging you did, after all of the condemning you did, after calling your parents old folk and old fashioned, you know, (laughs) then you find yourself later on in life being old folk and old fashioned. (laughs) We get to a place in our lives where we we don't like change or or the change that we want is a change that makes us comfortable. And one thing about God is that he's not concerned about making us comfortable. God really makes us uncomfortable because we will never change unless you get uncomfortable. You know, I used to hear these sermons about the eagle that stirred the nest and it talked about how parents have to stir the nest you know, to get their children out of the house. You know, you don't raise your children to keep them at home with you. There's a certain point you want to release them, but you have to raise them so you can release them. But when I used to listen to those sermons, I've never preached that sermon, but when I used to listen to those sermons and do the research on it, it talks about how the eagle, you know, will build that nest. And in the beginning, it's, it, they, they make it comfortable for the little chicks. But later on, they start taking out those things that have made the nest comfortable to get down to the prickly thorns because the baby chicks have to grow up. And they have to be able to make it on their own. They have to fly. They have to, they have to leave the nest. And they have to be able to fly. They have to be able to hunt. They have to be able to feed themselves, you know, and then prepare to raise a family and, and repeat that process. You know, and you know, think about that. So change is inevitable. God intends for us to change. In life, God wants us to change. And that's so, so, so important. God is like that eagle that stirs the nest. He doesn't want to make us comfortable. He doesn't make us comfortable. Amen? So whenever we get to the place that we get comfortable where we are, we're actually resisting the Holy Spirit. Because in our lives, he's going to make us uncomfortable so we continue to grow, so we can be prepared to do the things that he wants us to do. He doesn't want to leave us sitting in one place all of our lives, amen, doing the same thing all of our lives. We we, we, we get uncomfortable. We're made to be uncomfortable because change is necessary. Change is necessary in our lives to be like God to be like God. You can, now when it comes to changing, you know, and, and this is no reflection on anybody. This is just a general statement. You can go from church to church and still remain the same because you will look for that comfort zone in that place where you go. God doesn't want you looking for a comfort zone. He wants you growing in him and we are ever growing. Amen. I thank the Lord that, you know, I accepted Christ when I was 10 years old and I can literally say that at In a couple of days, 68 years old, I am still growing in the Lord. Amen. I don't mind change. I mean, change is good. Change is is good for me so that I can continually seek the face of the Lord, continually seek to be fresh in the Lord, continually seek to be effective in ministry. And I pray that that I'm effective in ministry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So when a person comes To the Lord, the thing that has to happen in order for that person to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus is that that person has to change. You have to change. You have to change. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. Amen. We have a sin nature that is prone to sin. We love the things of the world. Amen. We do. We, We grow up and we love partying. So, you know, we go to parties and, you know, we grow up and we love, Pleasure, so we seek out pleasure in life. You know, it's just it's just a part of our nature, and it's nothing wrong with pleasure. God just wants us to change and find the right pleasure. He wants us to find the pleasure that brings glory to Him and honor to Him. Amen. You know, I I tell you what, I'd rather go to the dance at the church house than go to the dance at the nightclub. So I like it when we dance in the house of the Lord. Amen. I like it when the music gets to go on and we're dancing in the house. Now I can can do my moves. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dancing to the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is not opposed us having pleasure. He just wants that pleasure to bring glory and honor to him. He wants us at the place where our minds have shifted so much that we begin to think in terms of, is what I'm doing bringing glory to God? That's what he wants us to get to. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the messages that the Lord sends to us can seem to be like pastors picking on me. No, it's the Lord ministering to you, trying to help you get to the point that you begin to think like him. Amen. And so sometimes the Lord will send a message that might deal with a particular thing that you're dealing with in your life. And it's not that the pastor's picking on you. You should say, God, thank you for speaking to me through the man of God or through the woman of God. Amen? Because we don't see everything you do. I don't have time to visit, to walk around your house and peep in your bedroom windows to try to find out what you're doing. I don't have time to follow you around to see what you're doing. I'm not even interested in, in, in what you're doing, really. Amen? I got enough stuff to deal with on my own. But if the Lord sends a message and says, address this issue, address that issue, it's for our own good because he sees the Lord is everywhere. Amen? His eyes, the Bible says, roams to and fro over the earth. There is nothing hidden from the eyes of the Lord. He sees everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So anyway, we have to change. When we come to the Lord, the first thing that needs to happen to us is that change has to begin in our lives. Change. Amen? And that change is going to be accomplished through Holy Spirit living in us and working in us. And remember, remember, one of the symbols of Holy Spirit is fire. And fire burns. Fire is hot. Amen. So somehow, some way or another, when, when Holy Spirit is living in us, there's a burning going on inside of us. Amen. You're not always just sitting down being comfortable like you're sitting under the air conditioner. Amen. The fire starts burning and you start moving. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Change has to take place. So again, Jesus taught his disciples uh, to have faith. He said, if you have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can, you can move mountains. You can say to the mountain, be removed, and it will be cast into the midst of the sea. All right? You can alter because of your faith in me. If you have faith, you can change things in your life by the power of faith. But he taught that. Then he turns around and says, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. Wait until Holy Spirit is poured out in your life. Amen. Amen. So so the teachings and examples of faith that he gave them would be solidified, amen, and enhanced by the power of Holy Spirit living in them. Amen. As as I said, for the past couple of days, I've been hearing in my spirit faith and fire, faith and fire. You know, we've been preaching on faith and living by faith, but Holy Spirit is a real part of this process. The fire of the Holy Spirit burning in our lives, living in us, working in us, burning in us. Amen. It's a real part of the process. Amen, amen. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. You know the story. Uh, And he said to Jesus, I know you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do these things that you're doing except God be with him. Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Amen? So Jesus is saying, you have a natural birth, but there is a spiritual birth. There's a birth of the Holy Ghost that must take place in you. You need, a, you need this new being formed inside of you, this only formed by the Holy Spirit coming to live in you. So the very thing that Jesus points out to that man is that is the need for the manifestation of the Spirit of Almighty God in his life to bring about the change necessary for him to even enter the kingdom of God. Got to be born again. Born of the Spirit of Almighty God. So, you know, salvation is much more than just saying with your lips, I accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Salvation is much more than going through the water of baptism. Salvation is being born of the Spirit of Almighty God. And those of us who are born again know the difference. Amen. Amen. That was another instance where Jesus made it his business to go through Samaria. You know the story with the Samaritan woman. Jesus met the woman and said, give me a drink of water. And she said, you being a Jew, ask me for for water? Jesus said, if you knew who, who, who it is who asked you for a drink of water, amen, you would have given it to him. But now think about this. Water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will give you living water, well up unto salvation. So this conversation that Jesus is having with this woman is not just about taking a drink of water. Not just about giving her water. Jesus is talking about the manifestation, the outpouring and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this woman's life that will bring about the necessary change. And when they finish the conversation... You knew the change had taken place because this lady dropped her water pots and she went running into the city and told people, Come see a man that's told me everything that I've done. Could this be the Messiah? We need that living water. I don't know what you've been drinking of, and prayerfully all of us, most of us have been drinking of the living water, but we need that living water, amen, that wells up in us under salvation, amen, amen. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, amen. As Holy Spirit is is working in us, as he's coming and and lives in us and is working in us, then from our lips, from our being will flow rivers of living water. Why does rivers of living water need to flow from us? Because there are people around us who need to be affected. Amen. We're living in, in homes with families. We're living in communities. We're working on jobs. There are people that the Lord put us, his people, in contact with every day who need to be affected by these rivers of living water that's flowing forth from us. Sometimes it's by a kind act. And somebody asks you, why did you do what you did? Don't be ashamed to mention Jesus. Amen. <laughs> because you don't just do good works and forget about Jesus. You do, all you did was social ministry. You got to talk about Christ. Amen. You got to talk about Christ. Amen. Uh, so the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Gentile converts in several cities, emphasized the need for change in the lives of the believers. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, he writes, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live in, uh, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who now, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. Isn't that the truth? We've been there before. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You know what Paul is saying there? People who've not accepted Christ as Savior and Lord are objects of God's wrath. Amen. So you just don't die and go to heaven. Your object, if you never accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you are an object of God's wrath. Hmm. I ministered a message in the Dominican Republic, and it talked about uh, uh, humiliation and restoration. And as you study humiliation, you begin to, you begin to see how God humbles us. Humiliation in our, in our context today, we think of somebody being put to shame or what have you. But in biblical context, it talks about how God allows things to happen in our lives to bring us to the point that we recognize him as Lord and God. And I, I'm going to have to talk about that more because sometimes we don't, we, we're not paying attention to what God is doing. We want to attribute things to Chance. Uh, we, wanna, we might say the devil did it, but sometimes God is doing things and we got to recognize that. And some of the stuff we're going through in our lives is because God is trying to humble us. God is, in a sense, humiliating us, but he has a purpose in his, hum- his humiliation. And the purpose in his humiliation is a good purpose because he's trying to get our eyes open under him. So you think about all the stuff you go through in your family. You need to stop. You need to stop talking about what you're going through and then look up to God and say, God, what are you trying to do? What is what is it in me that you are trying to change? You know, we're it's quick, we're easy to point the finger at the other person. But we need to ask God and we need to be honest with ourselves because a lot of times we have not changed. God is working to bring about change in our lives. Why does God want us to change? Because once we change and allow Holy Spirit to work in us, we are much more effective in kingdom building. And all of us have been placed in this world
2: under an assignment. Everybody. Created in the image and likeness of God. So that's an
1: assignment on our lives. And until we get to the place in our lives that we say, yes, Lord, I surrender. Even believers who at one point said, I accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, look at your life. Are you living a surrendered life? You know, we don't want to attribute things to God. I've talked to you before, and I'm about ready to preach another sermon here. We, I've talked to you before about how people don't want to acknowledge that a lot of stuff that's happening in this world, with the fires, with the floods, with the earthquakes, with the wars. We do not in this world, even in theological circles, today we do not want to acknowledge that God has sent these things in this world to humiliate people, to humble people, so that we begin to recognize him as God. When you get into this text and you read this text, amen, amen, When you begin to study this text, and I'm going to jump over into my points so that I won't be preaching for another hour. Amen. When you get into this text, as I was praying about this, one of the things that the Lord said to us is that we need to stop compromising with the world and make a firm decision to follow Christ. What did Elijah ask the people, say to the people? Elijah said to the people in verse number 21, how long? When you waver between two opinions, if God is God, follow him. But if Baal follow him, make a decision who you're going to follow. You are haunting. You are going between two opinions. He didn't talk to, listen, read this text. He didn't say this to Ahab. Ahab represents the system. Ahab represents government. Ahab is the king. He represents the system. We cannot expect the system to follow God because the system has already sold out to the prince of the power of the air. So Ahab goes to the people and Ahab says to the people, you need to make up your mind. You need to choose who you're going to serve. If God is God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. But you need to make up your mind. He didn't speak to Ahab. So what the church is doing today is the church is allowing the system to speak to us and tell us what right and wrong is. And many times the church
2: is following the system. God is not speaking to the system. He's speaking
1: to his children. We need to decide who we're going to follow.
2: You're looking for a church that's going to accept everybody and everything. God is love, yes. God is love. (laughs) But God is a God of wrath. God hates sin.
1: And sin is anything that goes against the will of God. We can't determine what sin is. I didn't write this Bible. I didn't write the law of God. God wrote it. We can say the Bible is irrelevant today. That does not make the Bible irrelevant because you say it's irrelevant. I don't care what theologian says the Word of God is irrelevant today, and we need to go back and reinterpret Scripture and make Scripture include everybody. God never forgot anybody. God created everybody in His image and His likeness. It does not matter what the system says. It matters what God says. We are all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, but we have to come to God, and when we come to God, then we need to forsake our way and accept God's way and follow. God's way. Is it difficult sometimes? Yeah, because we're dealing with a sinful nature. But we keep the sinful nature submitted unto God. But we need to make a decision. And some people have chosen to follow the way of the
2: world. Because the system says it's all right. Did God say it was all right? Elijah said to the people, You're following the system. You're
1: following because it was Jezebel who, who, and Ahab with his weak self. Ahab was a weak king. He married a pagan woman. Let me tell you something it's a dangerous thing if you're a born again believer to marry a pagan. I don't care. I don't care how good they look. I don't care how good they smell. I don't care how good they make you feel. I don't care how much money you have. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But we want to bypass God, and we want to follow our own minds. And all we do is get ourselves in trouble. It was Ahab with his weak self that allowed this woman he married to bring in Baal worship into Israel and the people forsook God. Let me t- you, do you know what happened to Jezebel? How many of y'all know what happened to Jezebel? It was prophesied what was going to happen. That the dogs were going to lap up her blood. <laughs> when God came in, Jezebel was standing in the window. I, 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 don't, I have to go back and read the whole context of it, but she fell out of the window. She fell down to the ground, and the dog ate her body, lapped up her blood. Let me tell you, it might sound gross. Let me tell you about this God that we serve. When God says something, stand on it. God said, do not, once that Jericho was established, and they put soda on it, and God said, don't ever, don't ever rebuild Jericho. One of these kings is somewhere over here in, chapter, in one of these chapters. One of these kings' sons came back and reestablished Jericho. When he started building the foundation, one of his, his first son was killed. When he put the gates up, the second son was killed. And at the end of the text, it said it happened just as God said. You see, you know, God is serious. It's, we're the ones that's not serious. We have chosen to follow the world system, and we think it's all right. Part of the reason we think it's all right is because too many of us don't know this word, and too many of us don't believe this word. Amen. God help us today. So we have to stop compromising with the world system and make a firm decision to follow Christ. Elijah spoke to the people he didn't speak to the system. You got to prophesy to the system. The system is not going to change. Remember, Satan has already been judged and punished. There was no means of repentance for Satan when he rebelled against God and God punished him and kicked him out of heaven. Those angels that followed Satan did not have any means of repentance. That evil seed is still in the world today. That's the reason that there's so much evil because that evil seed, those evil angels came down and procreated with the daughters of men and created an evil race that still exist in the world
2: today. And they are influencing the world that we live in. You wonder, Lord help me, you wonder
1: why the United States government is not really in control. Because really, there is an overarching government that most people know nothing about. Now I'm talking about something that, 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 anyway, I'm just talking about it. You have to do some research. So here I am riding. I've been preaching in Baltimore, and I'm riding down I-95, I-77, I-85, somewhere along. And I'm listening to this guy. I was, I, was, I, I was right at the point where 85 and 95 come together. This is how indelible this was made in my mind, right at the point where I'm coming south. So where 95 goes to the left and 85 bears off to the right. Some of y'all know where that is. And I'm listening to this guy on NPR. Some people don't, you know, I don't take stuff for, for radio seriously, but this guy talks about how he went undercover and, in, in, and infiltrated this organization in Washington, D.C., all right? And so he's talking, 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 and he talks about this group that meets uh, and under, the, under the banner, under the, under the name of Meeting for Prayer, all right? And literally he says, that it's not anything about prayer at all. This is a reporter who had infiltrated it. He's talked about world leaders that influences the policies of every nation of the world. And he talked about people that have been a part of, of that organization. Some of you know about Idi Amin. You remember him, one of the most wicked rulers in Africa, uh, on the continent of Africa. And then some of our presidents, if I call your na- their names, because I, maybe I shouldn't call their names. I won't call it since I'm on Facebook. But some of the presidents of the United States of America uh, were also part of the same group. And these are people that influences the policies of the world. Now, pay attention to what's happening in the world around you. Mm-hmm. Just pay attention. Even with the war in Ukraine, just follow what's happening. Okay, it's not just that Ukraine decided to. I mean, Russia decided to invade Ukraine. Right? You got to follow this stuff. You got to see even what's been happening in the United States of America. It's an interconnected world. We have to vote for our president. Yeah, but 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 there are some there are some powers that be that influence the politics and policies of every nation of the world. Do they think about Jesus? Are they concerned about Jesus?
0: Nope, nope. I said enough about that. Because well, that's not in the Bible, but the prince of the power of the air is in the Bible, and he is
1: influencing the nations of the world. Amen. we got to make a firm decision to follow Christ because his kingdom will stand. Y'all all right? Everybody all right outside? His kingdom will stand. And, and as you make a firm decision to follow Christ, you look at what happens in this text here. You look at what happens in this text. As Elijah challenges them, they have this contest to, so that the God who answers by fire will be the one who proves himself to be God. Well, he gives the prophets of Baal. There were actually 850. There were 450 prophets of, of Baal, I believe. It was 400 prophets of the grove, of Asherah. 850 prophets. And they built their altar. They put the sacrifice on the altar. And they, they, they prayed to their God to answer all day long. They danced and they cut themselves. Amen. Because that was the thing that they did in that worship. Nothing. Nothing. False gods don't answer. False gods, no answer. Elijah mocked him at noon. He said, "Cry a little bit louder.
2: Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. Nothing.
1: Nothing." If I have my time frame right, about three o'clock in the afternoon, it's "Okay." Elijah said, "Okay, you got. Enough. You've had enough. You've had
2: enough." Elijah, the Bible says, repairs the altar of God, and he takes the wood puts it on the altar, takes the sacrifice, puts it on the altar. Tell them to bring 12 barrels of water. They dig a trench around the altar so that the water would flow into the trench. And they saturated the wood and the sacrifice with water. Now, before I go further, let me tell you
1: this. So what, what do we see Elijah doing? And what does this speak to us? How does it speak to us as we want to set up conditions in our lives, in our churches, in our communities that are conducive
2: for the fire of God? Elijah repairs the altar of God. The altar that had been broken down by these people that didn't know God. He repairs. The altar of God. What is God saying to the church today? You all need to come back to me. We need to repair the altar that's been broken down. Elijah couldn't worship God on the altar that had been built to Baal. He could not, he would not, he would not make that compromise and insult the true and living God. So he repairs the altar. Thanks, so we got to go back to God. If the altar's been broken down in our hearts, we're going to halfway pray. We just say something to say that we prayed or we, we tip God in worship. We come to worship to say that we've been here. But th- there's, no, there's no tenderness We've not
1: sanctified the Lord in our hearts. We've not made God special. We've not made his worship special. We we sing the songs for the
2: sake of singing the songs. To say that we worshiped. We got to repair the altar. Elijah, before he made a sacrifice to the true and the living God, Rebuilt
1: that altar. Twelve stones, one for every tribe of Israel. He did it the way God prescribed it. Saints of God, our worship cannot always be appealing to man. It has to be appealing to God. We have to learn how to do things the way God has prescribed it in our personal lives, in our families. You can't follow the way of the world. Yeah, people say, if I were you, I wouldn't do this. Don't don't listen to what people say.
2: If they were you, they're not you. They're not in your situation. Go back to God. Even with me preaching to you and teaching you the precepts of God, you
1: have a personal responsibility to go back to God for yourself.
2: We are priesthood of believers. Amen. We are a holy nation. Amen. Glory to God. He, re- he rebuilt the altar. He rebuilt the altar. He didn't use that old altar. And then he offered the sacrifice. Now, now, when he rebuilt the altar and put the sacrifice on it, remember I
1: said that he poured water. He saturated it with water. God was going to prove himself. Let me tell you something. God will prove himself to you. You don't have to put God to the test, but God will prove himself to you. If you pay attention, I can go back and just recount instances where God has proven himself to me. I wasn't even trying to test him. But because God wants us to know him personally, God will reveal himself to those of us who diligently seek him. The Bible says to us that Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So God wants us to present ourselves to Him as a living sacrifice that is holy, that is acceptable to Him. Amen. And be not conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What proves that I presented my body as a living sacrifice to God when Holy Spirit, when I allow Holy Spirit to come
2: in and transform. My mind, I no longer think like the world thinks. I want to think like Christ. That old saying, what would Jesus do? Makes a whole lot of sense because it makes me now think, if Jesus were in this situation, how would he handle it? If Jesus was confronted with this challenge, what would his words be? You know how some people, people, you get in an argument with people, and they may start out using nice words, but then you find out, who laughing? <laughs> <laughs> then
1: you find out what's inside. Because when the nice words don't work, what happens? Tell me now. Whoa. Then all those bad
0: words start coming out and you start cussing like, like a sailor. You start cussing like that person that, was, that just came out of the bar and full of alcohol and all kind of stuff. You are cussing like that
1: person
2: that never knew anything about Jesus. Mm. I tell you, I've said this over and over again. If you want to find, and we don't want to find out what's in
1: you. I ain't trying to find out what's in you. The Holy Ghost knows what's in you, but push a person up against the wall. Back them in a corner. See what happens. Will they turn the other cheek or will they come out fighting? Bible says if we're going to fight, we fight the good fight of faith, which means that whatever situation I am in, I stand in the power of God. When I've done everything else I know to do, then I stand because it's only at that point that I can see the manifestation of God.
2: It's only at that point that I get to the place that I let God move. You don't know you got faith until you stop putting it to work. Go to the gym, find out how many muscles you got. Ooh. Offer the sacrifice. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy
1: and acceptable under God. Elijah put the sacrifice on the altar.
2: Poured water on it, 12 barrels. And Elijah looked to God and prayed to God. And God answered by fire. Burned up the sacrifice.
1: Burned the wood burned the stones and soaked up the water that was in the trench. I don't know if this applies to the text I just heard in my spirit. Some of you got water in your trenches. The Holy Ghost wants
2: to to soak it up. He wants to dry it up. So you can be used for his glory. Fire came from God. If we want the fire of God to fall, we have to pursue the glory of God. Elijah was not doing this for himself. Elijah was not doing this to prove that he had great power.
1: Elijah was even wrong to say that he was the only prophet left. God told him, I got more prophets. I got got some that that you don't even know about. So don't ever get to the point you think you're the only one left. You just do what you're supposed to do, if you're the only one there, to the glory of God. To the glory of God. You do it to the best of your ability. Everything you do, you do it to the glory of God.
2: At that moment, you might be the only one you see. But don't compromise. Because you want the fire to fall. The church needs the fire of God today. The Lord has been dealing with me about this fire, and faith. So wherever we need to stop compromising with the world, let's stop compromising with the world. Stop compromising with the world. If if the altar of God needs to be rebuilt in our lives, we build an altar. Next time you come to the church house to worship, come with the fire already burning inside of you. Let's experience the fire of God in corporate worship. Let's make sure that we make the sacrifice. I can't sacrifice for you. I can only make the sacrifice for me. Be that living sacrifice, O Lord. Let the fire of God burn up everything inside of you that's not like God. So that the next time you pushed up against the wall, you don't act like you used to act before you were born again. And make sure you're pursuing the glory. Make sure you are pursuing God's glory. God, I want you to be glorified in my life. I want you, in every situation, in every circumstance, I want you to be glorified in my life.
1: Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire.
2: Thank you that you prosper your word and the things that you sent your word to. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor now. It's in Jesus' name, that we pray, Amen. If there is anyone this morning you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, maybe you live living your life the way you want to live it, and you thought about Christ, but you've not made the decision—the purposeful decision—to receive Christ as your Savior. And your Lord. I want to give you that opportunity today to say yes to the Lord. The Lord is waiting on you. There's nothing hidden from the eyes of Him. Just like He went by that well, He went out of the way to go by that well to meet with that woman. The Lord
1: has gone out of His way, if if we can say it like that. To speak to you today, whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you're watching us online. And if you're watching us online, you can pray the prayer of faith as well. But if you're watching us online, we also want you to write to us and let us know of the decision that you've made. Someone is following this, and someone will get your information, and we will follow up with you. So
2: if anybody today wants to receive Christ, As Savior and Lord, you're willing to say, Yes, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I want you to pray this prayer with me, whether you're in the sanctuary or whether you're online. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. (laughs) I cannot save myself. But I believe that you died on the cross. To satisfy God's law that states the soul that sins must surely die. Lord Jesus, you took my place in death on the cross. You died satisfying God's law for me so that I could have eternal life with you forever. Lord Jesus, I accept that sacrifice. I believe that you died on my behalf. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I surrender to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're in the sanctuary
1: today and, and you prayed that prayer and you want to make a public profession of your faith in Christ, you can come stand down front and we will receive you. If you're online and you pray that prayer, write to us and let us know
2: of your commitment to Christ. Never be ashamed of a commitment to Jesus. But this this is the
1: greatest commitment that anyone could ever make. I'm so grateful that at 10 years old I accepted Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Now my life has not been perfect over these almost 58 years. But I see growth in my life I see development in my life. But I thank God for the foundation. Thank God for the foundation. Give God praise. So if there's anybody today who want to make a public profession, do it today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Uh, Don't wait until next week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation in the day that you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart today. Today. Several people I witnessed to in the Dominican Republic and one, one young man I was talking to we're on our youth retreat and he said he said, now is not the time. His brother was interpreting for me and he said he said, Bishop, that's what everybody here says now is not the time. When is the time? When is the time? Do you make the determination when the right time is? Or do you hear the voice of God calling you and recognize that the Spirit of Christ is calling me to, to Him now and now is the time? Because if you keep putting it off, you don't know what can happen between today and tonight at six o'clock, you just don't know. If you sense the Lord pulling on you to give your life to him, now is the time. Whether you're in the sanctuary or online.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at tabernacleofpraise at msn.com. That's tabernacleofpraise at msn.com.